Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus says, I'm distressed to accomplish this baptism because it will answer the first division between man and God. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come, somebody know it? Anybody know it? Come short of the glory of God. So there was a division there. But here's another division, a division in family relationships. Look at verse 52. Five are in one house, three are on one side, two are on the other. A father against his son, a mother against her daughter, a daughter against her mother-in-law. You know, I heard the story of a man, his wife and his mother-in-law, and they went on vacation. They went on a holiday to Jerusalem. And while they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. And the undertaker, listen, the undertaker told them, he said, you can have her shipped home for $5,000, or you can bury her right here in the Holy Land for $150. Well, the man thought about it, and he told him he would just have her shipped home. Well, the undertaker asked, uh, why would you spend $5,000 to ship your mother-in-law home when she could be buried right here for $150? And the man replied, well, long ago, a man died here. He was buried here, and three days later, he rose from the dead. He said, I just can't take that chance. Copies available after service. <laughs> Some of the wives are like, you better not laugh. Laugh. There are many people, listen, there are many people, even in this room, y'all tell me, is this true or not? There are many people in this room, when they became a Christian, all of a sudden there was a division between them and their family. Anybody? Anybody? That's a good number of us. There was a division Jesus is saying, when you give your life, listen to me. When you give your life and your heart to me and you decide you're going to avoid the judgment that is coming, everybody ain't going to like it. And it's going to cause a division. You know, I've heard of stories where people have given their life to Christ and family members aren't happy. And this is the same person that was on drugs, the same person that was doing alcohol and there was problems in prison and being locked up in ungodly and unholy behavior. And their family, when they give their life to Christ, they don't like it. You would think you would be happy for them. They come home, hey, you know what? God set me free. Because don't you know God can set you free from whatever's holding you bound? Uh, You can say a better amen than that. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And that's a good thing. And they come home, they go, oh, God set me free, man. God set me free. I gave my life to Jesus, and now I'm I'm free from all of those things. And and, and some family members are like, oh, well, wait a minute. Now, wait, 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 wait. 
all this Jesus stuff, religion is a personal thing. Now, I don't know, I mean, you probably, it was just a phase. It was just a phase. You know, calm down. It was almost like they were happier, and they be, they've told me this, that their family was happier for them when they were doing drugs and the alcohol, getting locked up and all that, versus giving their life to Jesus Christ. It's almost like people would rather have an intervention than a celebration. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. You'd rather have an intervention than a celebration. We should be happy. Youth, I've heard this. Youth give their life to Christ. They come to church and give their life to Christ. And before giving their life to the Lord, they had school and all kinds of problems at school. And every other week, and they're in the principal's office, and they've gone to counseling, and you've done everything. They give their life to Christ. They go home and say, Mom, Dad, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Oh, well, now, wait, 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 wait. What about all that Jesus stuff now? And they were happier for them when they were having problems. Listen, and then it causes a division in the home. Here's why. Listen, this is why there is a division in the home. You know why? Because of fragrance. What are you talking about, Willis? Because of fragrance. Because of what you smell like. And because what they smell like. What you talking about, Willis? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 tells it like this. You are the fragrance of Christ among those being saved and among those perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. Listen, when you're walking with Christ, serving the Lord, loving the Lord, seeking to do what's right, it is a conviction to those who aren't. And that is why you don't get invited to the party. Did you hear me? That's why they don't invite you to the party, because you are one big conviction. A guy at church, I was after church, amen, brother. <laughs> Boy, that really hit you, didn't it? I got me the same way when I preached it last night. I, right in the middle of my sermon, I went, wow. I'm telling you, man, that, mm, that tore me up. And, uh, but it's true. And between services, this guy today, this guy came up to me, he says, uh, he says, uh, man, and this guy had just come back from Afghanistan, and he has a team of guys, and they go in and they snipe people out. Well, I don't know what they do. He can't even tell me. It's a secret operative mission or something. I figured it out, though, because I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> and he was telling me, he said, you know, he said, you know, that, 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 that's so true. He said, the guys in my unit. And these are the guys that he's in charge of. He says, they don't, they don't like me. He says, they don't like me. And, I, I, and, he said, and he said, now I understand why they don't like me. Because he was in Afghanistan praying, where they were trying to find beer and, and, and smoking and drinking and, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and he was praying and reading his Bible. And he told me, he said, now I know why. Because I'm one big conviction. I said, that's right. I'm going to get you a T-shirt. Walk around. I am one big conviction. Your life is a conviction. Why? Because light and, please hear me, because light and darkness cannot coexist. And soon as you walk in the room and they having a party and they drinking and carrying on, smoking and chewing and going with girls who's doing, and they doing all whatever they do, as soon as you walk in the room, oh, here come all that Jesus stuff and then you carrying a Bible and looking all spiritual. Messing up our party. 
I know what I'm talking about because I was like that. When I was in the military, I was like that. They used to call me deacon. I was stationed at Camp Pendleton. And they used to call me deacon because I, I've always read, look, if I had a minute, I was reading my Bible. If I had a minute, I was studying the word. If I had lunch, I was teaching the Bible to somebody. And, and, and they used to call me deacon. And as and, and, and soon as I came around, oh, here come deacon. Everybody stop using all the bad language. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and every now and then I'd be in a really good day. And I'd say, you know, they'd go, oh, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. I'm, Don't worry. You can say everything you want to say. Don't worry about me. God heard every word you said. <laughs> and they're like, um, that's awkward. I'm like, <laughs> it is. And I'm glad. I like awkward moments. But, but, but they used to call me deacon. But here's the thing. This is how this works. So you, you, you're holding down your witness for the Lord. And guess what will happen? They'll talk about you. Oh, you deacon. Oh, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. But when they need prayer, guess who they coming to? When trials and circumstances and situations happen in your life. And guess what? They will give it time. Live long enough. They will come to you, hey, deacon, uh, I talked to you for a minute. Like, so I go over there, and I know they don't want anybody to know that they're talking to the preacher, deacon. They don't want anybody to know, so I go over there and go, yes, can I help you with something? <laughs> oh, you need prayer? Okay, well, let's pray right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. <laughs> You know, they're like, not supposed to let anybody know. Why not? (laughs) You see, because it brings division, and that's a good division. I'll tell you what, it is a good division when you're walking with Jesus, other people are not. That's a good division because you need to be a light in a dark place. You don't need to become like the world. Don't look down on them because you were one of them at one time. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you should be different and your light should shine bright for Jesus. Anybody agree with that? Everywhere you go, everything you do, everybody you talk to, your light, people should see Jesus in your eyes. I love it when I meet people and I can see Jesus in them. And I look in their eyes and I go, hey, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian too. How'd you know? I see Jesus in your eyes. Now, I've been wrong about that a time or two. <laughs> hey, you a Christian? No. Uh, <laughs> talking about awkward moments, I'm like, well. <laughs> well, what do you do? Oh, I go up on the highest hill and study my navel lint. It's like, in the lotus position. It's like, oh, Okay. Can't be right about everything. You know, it brings a division. Then they say, oh, you Christians, you all guys are, you all brainwashed. Listen, I'll tell you something. I am brainwashed. My brain has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I am brainwashed. Notice we got to move on. Look at verse 54 through 56. We just read it. Then he also said to the multitudes, you looking at verse 54? Say amen. Then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming. And so it is. Now keep in mind, listen, that they were an agrarian society. They didn't have news meteorologist Chris Holman's five-day AccuWeather forecast. They didn't have that. And Chris Holman will tell you, 
Oh, it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. The winds are coming from the west and pushing out all. It's going to be a gorgeous day tomorrow. And then tomorrow is like hurricanes and storm and power outages and you're cooking on your fireplace. And they never say they're wrong. They never come on and say, you know what? Yesterday, sorry, guys, our bad. They never do that. I digress. But people would rather trust the weatherman and they won't trust the son of man. People will put their trust in Uncle Sam's refund check, even spending it before it comes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Even spending it before they come, before it comes, but they won't trust God who said, I never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed begging bread. Listen, I don't care what they, I've told you this before, please indulge me. I don't care what they say about the economy. I don't care what happens to the economy. Don't misunderstand me. I want everybody to be happy and healthy and eat right and have food. I'm all with it. But I don't, I don't look for the economy to get better for my provision. I look to God who said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed big and bread. And, you know, the economy, they want you to be fearful. Oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. We're all going to fail. You're going to be able to pay your bills. Look, let me tell you something. I'm a child of God. God will provide for me. Did we not just talk about, will he provide for a sparrow? He cares about a sparrow. How much more does he care about you? He cares about the lilies of the field. How much more does he care about you? He said, I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And even in this bad economy, ain't nobody lost no weight. Matter of fact, some of y'all put on some. <laughs> Anybody lost no weight because no Christians that I know, Christians still eating. We should call ourselves Calorie Chapel. <laughs> Christians are still <laughs> Christians are still eating. Why? Because God said, I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's why Christians are still eating. Don't you depend on the economy. And don't put your confidence in man. You put your confidence in, somebody help me, the Lord. You put your confidence in the Lord. The people that Jesus is talking to depended on the field, the weather, and they learned in very natural ways. If the wind was coming from the west and blowing off the Mediterranean, they knew that it was going to rain. If the wind was coming from the south, they knew that Sarakos was coming with heat. And Jesus says, you have the ability to see the natural realm and you determine your life by the things around you, yet you do not understand the time. Verse 56, go ahead and look at it. You hypocrites. You discern the sky, but you do not discern the time. Christians, listen, we are guilty of being ignorant of the times. I believe that we are living in last days. Anybody else? I believe we're living in the last days. And the reason I believe it, listen to me, is not because I believe it because it's the preacher thing to say. Or I believe it because we're a church and that's kind of what we have to believe. Calvary Chapel is what we got to believe. I don't believe it for any of those reasons. I believe we are living in the last days because I can read the signs. God said before his coming, there are certain events that had to be in place before his coming. Events of which they couldn't say were in place a hundred years ago. Or they couldn't say were in place 200 years ago. And yet they were still saying that the Lord is coming. But there were certain things that had to be in place before his coming. For example, 
the nation of Israel. For almost 2,000 years, Israel was a nation without a home dispersed around the world. Hated, despised, persecuted, and yet, watch this, May 14, 1948, God brought them back into their homeland and Israel was declared a nation again. Never before do your homework. Never before in the history of mankind has a nation been reborn out of the past. Never in the history of the world has a nation been dispersed, scattered, persecuted, throughout the entire world and become a nation again back in their homeland. That has never happened, only with the nation of Israel. The Bible says when that happens, you should be looking for the Son of Man. Huh? You should be looking for the Son of Man. Talking about signs of the end times. Here's another one. The Bible teaches in the last days, there will be a moral breakdown in our world. Hello? Are we looking at a moral breakdown in our culture or what? The Bible talks about in the last days, there'll be the rise in the occult, demon worship, and the apostasy of the church. That word apostasy means a falling away. And that's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says in the last days, the earth is going to melt with a fervent heat and the earth will be burned up. The word melt, if you're taking notes, means disintegrate or to dissolve. With the intervention of nuclear, chemical, biological warfare, listen, friends, today this is possible. They say a nuclear blast generates 150 million degrees of heat in a millisecond. Wow. In the last days, the Bible says there's going to be a uniting of the world, and we have the formation of the European community, and we have the World Wide Web. Don't you know the web has made the world a much smaller place? and kind of united the world. I talked to somebody in India that's on the other side of the world. If you take a globe and put your finger here and take your other finger and put it on the other side of the globe, uh, on the other side of the globe, directly across from it, if you could dig a hole through the earth, you'd find yourself in India. On the other side of the world, I talked to somebody in India every day. The world is a much smaller place. I text someone in India almost every other day, one, two, three times a week. The world is a much smaller place. We speak of global issues. We speak of global rights. There will be a one world situation. When we see that happening, we should look up because our redemption draws nigh. Here's another sign of the end times. There will be a famine in the land. Now, it's not a geological famine of rain or a famine of food, but there will be a famine of the word of God. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. There will be a famine of the word of God. And listen, there is no doubt in my mind. There is a famine in the land of people feeding on some weird stuff in the church. No one's teaching the Bible anymore. What happened to the word of God? You know, I'm at home, I, you know, I got my, my bedroom, my, my TV is on, on like a swingy thing. And, and, you know, I can swing it around to my bed, bedroom side. And when I'm getting ready for church and brushing my teeth, I swing it around to the bathroom side. It's kind of really, really nice and cool. And, and I'm brushing my teeth and I got to brush for two minutes because you got to do two minutes. That's what the dentist said. So I don't even know why I'm telling you this. And um, 
So I'm refreshing, you know, and I'm, I turn on Sunday morning, I put on the TV, okay, this is why. I'm telling I'm looking at the TV preachers, you know, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm listening to these guys. I'm like, what is this? What are they saying? And there are people in the audience, yes, 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 yes. Amen, amen, amen. Amen to what? That's weird teaching. Can I tell you something? Listen, this prosperity, name it, claim it, grab it, and grab it is false teaching. It's weird. It's aberrant, and it should not be taught to the church. I'm sorry if you don't agree with that. Don't misunderstand me. Don't get me wrong. Will God provide for you? I just told you he would. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread, God said. God will always provide for you. But what the faith message and the prosperity message teaches is because of who you are, God is obligated to give you what you want. Where did that come from? It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. You belong to Jesus. And you are never in a position to tell God what to do. He is God and you are not. It'd be like my kids trying to tell me what to do. I just had an arrow go through my head when I said that. I went, oh, wait a minute. I can't even imagine nothing like that. I can't even imagine. My kids trying to tell me. I mean, like, let me tell you something. That's every parent's favorite line. Let me tell you something. I bought you in this world and I what? I take you out. Any parent ever said that? I tell you, I believe my mother would do it too. I was scared of my mom. She said, I bought you in this world. I take you out. I thought she was going to kill me. I, I honestly, I believed her. Especially when she came at me with a roller skate one time. I was like, <laughs> mom came at me. So I was like, oh, oh, well, she's going to take me out. You don't tell your parents what to do, and you're in no place to tell God what to do. It's a famine in the land of people teaching the word of God. I hear it almost every week here at Calvary Chapel. People come and say, oh, finally, I found a church that teaches the Bible. I've been looking for a church for two or three years You've been looking for a church for two or three years and you can't find a church that's teaching the Bible? If they're not teaching the Bible, what are they saying? I can't even imagine standing here for 45 minutes talking to you about nothing. And I can't imagine you sitting there listening to me talk to you about nothing. There's a famine of the Word of God in the churches today. And even if Jesus doesn't come for 500 years, we are still closer than any generation that has ever lived. Look at verse 57 through 59. We just read it and you go ahead and peruse it. Jesus is saying, in the natural, you have a legal matter with someone and you want to settle it because before it gets to court, and especially if you're guilty, let the church say amen. You don't want to end up in prison. You want to avoid that at all costs. You want to make peace before sentence is given. And in the spiritual sense, you should look at the signs and look at what's around. And don't wait until you are brought before the judge at the great white throne judgment to make up your mind because it's too late. Because once you're before the judge and sentence is passed, you're in prison until the entire debt is paid. And here's something very interesting you should see. Jesus names four officers of the court, the adversary, that's the legal opponent. And then we have the magistrate, that's the ruler, the first in rank. And then we have the judge, the one who made the decisions. And then the officer, the one who carried out the sentence of the judge. And in the ultimate court of life, listen, 
The adversary is God. The magistrate is God. The judge is God. And the officer is God. And I'm sure that if we were sitting there, listen, if we were sitting there listening to Jesus and listening to his tone, the tone of his voice, because tone, when you read the Bible, is everything. Listen, tone is everything. Adam, where are you? Now, I don't think he said it like that. First of all, God knew where Adam was. God asked Adam where Adam was so that Adam would know where he was. Amen? Some folks need to be told where they are because they're just crazy. Adam, where are you? Did God say it like that? I doubt it. He probably said, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was, but he wanted Adam to see tone, tone. Tone is everything. And so listening to the tone of his voice, I, 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 I don't hear Jesus ranting here. And I don't hear him raving and screaming. I, I, I think his eyes were filled with tears. And I think his heart was broken as, as he was saying, it's so sad that you can see what's going on in the natural. Why can't you see with your heart? And don't wait until you stand before the judge of the universe. Make peace while there's still time. Remember last week, the message was, while there's still time, you need to be ready and get ready while there's still time. And the message is even here. While there's still time, make peace with the judge while there's still time. It's still time now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The time is now. Because when you take your last breath here on earth and you take your next breath in the presence of God, it will be too late to make a decision for him. So make peace now. The time is now. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.